suppose when I think of the idea of holistic and holistic, it's recognizing and then remembering, which is obviously the practice itself, uh, that everything we do from a tiny thought to a big action to what you eat, what you drink, uh, how you converse with people around you, the colors you surround yourself with, anything from a minute scale to a big scale, it affects how we are. That was Emma Newlin in what is actually a pretty epic conversation. We cover a lot of ground. I was quite impressed at just how much we managed to cover when I was listening back to this episode. It's also a conversation that if you're listening in real time as this episode is released at the start of 2019 is really inspiring, encouraging and helpful to begin the new year with, I think. Um, We talk a lot about how to make change. We talk about why that's so terrifying to make changes in your life and make changes to habits and things like that. But we also talk about how it doesn't need to be a huge deal and how it can start with very small steps. And Emma gives lots of advice on little steps and practices that we can start doing right away. We talk about yoga, we talk about holistic living and what that might look like to you and why that might vary from person to person. We talk about the ancient Indian practice um, of Ayurveda, which is a health and well-being practice. And just generally, for anyone who's wanting to make changes to live a more purposeful and holistic life, to change habits... This is going to be a really supportive and inspiring conversation. So I hope that you find something here to support you in your journey wherever you are, whether you're listening to this at the beginning of 2019 or in the middle of it or in some year in the distant future. Hello. Um, Yeah, I hope you enjoy it. Let me know if you do. You can find me online. I'm at being underscore change on Instagram. Um, Let me know what you think of the episode. And as always, I'd be incredibly grateful if you could leave a rating and review if you do enjoy it. Okay, let's dig in. Welcome to Create Shift podcast to support, encourage and inspire you to live your most purposeful and holistic life. I'm your host, Ellen of Being Change. I'm a yoga teacher, writer and purposeful and holistic living advocate based in Manchester, UK. Thank you so much for joining me on this adventure. Emma, thank you for joining me today. Um, I hope you're well. Um, I was wondering if you wanted to get started by just introducing yourself to people who may not know who you are and what you do and that sort of thing. Yeah, sure. Um, Thank you for having me. Very honoured to be asked. Um, Yeah, so uh, I'm Emma Newlin. What do I do? Uh, I guess I always say there's kind of three prongs or three branches to what I do. Um, and there's, I teach yoga. Um, I write um, so on a lot of different topics, on philosophy, on health and well-being, on Ayurveda, um, all sorts of different holistic things, I suppose. Um, and I am a therapist as well. So I work with massage or sound healing and 
um, and a lot of things with music. So music was something I've studied all throughout university and life and stuff. And then uh, just came to teaching yoga uh, quite a while ago, having had a long time with it. I'd always been with yoga my whole life. My mum's taught it forever. My dad is very much into meditation as well. So it's something I've always been around. So I suppose I didn't really have a choice of what I was going to do. I was always going to end up doing this. (laughs) Yeah, it was either that or something like the total opposite. Yeah, I suppose, yeah, which is actually what my sister's doing, which is quite interesting. Oh, that is interesting. Mm. Uh, That's good. You've got a nice balance in the family. Mm. so I guess I wanted to I wanted you to introduce kind of the different things that you do because um so I for people who don't know I know Emma um from my yoga teacher training course um so we met last year when I did that and um I just think it's really interesting that you do all these other things as well that well they're not they're not obviously completely different but all the different therapies and things that you do and I think a lot of people might think that um you know yoga is just yoga and it's just the body or whatever and and that they don't maybe think about how sound stuff can have an effect on um I'm not explaining this very well do you know what I mean like I know I know what you mean yeah completely um yeah I do know what you mean and I a lot of the time when um someone it says that I just think like, how could how could I not do that? Uh, I don't know. I suppose there would be a lot of free time if I taught yoga and didn't do the other thing. <laughs> um, but I'm not someone who does well when I have a lot of space. I like to, uh, I suppose, probably a detriment to myself. I kind of feel like I have to keep putting things out. There's just something in me that wants to keep producing, creating, doing stuff. Um, and like you said, yeah. the yoga of course is not just the body what we're teaching in classes a lot is primarily obviously focused on the body and fair enough most people do turn up to a class just for their body fine that's what they're there for um uh but when we um consider yoga as a whole is a holistic thing so it's working with the whole body the whole mind the subtle parts of you the physical parts of you um, to f- find your potential, I guess. And so using all these different things um, are just kind of to work with different parts of the body and the mind and the energy of the body to just kind of find out where you can enhance and expand and grow as a person on the inside and the outside. Mm. Let's dig into that a little bit more because one of the things that I wanted to talk about was this idea of holistic living because that's something that I talk about a lot. That's kind of like what this podcast is about is helping people to live their most purposeful and holistic life. And, um, you know, you said the word holistic in a, the way you said it made it sound like it was spelt differently, like holistic, you know, like a, mm. a whole thing. And that's kind of how I think of holistic living as, as this this whole, like I'm making a circular shape with my hands when I say that. Um, so yeah, do you want to just dig into that a little bit more sort of the concept of holistic living and how you see it and define it? Mm, yeah. Um, so I was thinking about this quite a lot cause I thought, cause I have never really thought it sounds terrible when I say this now having never really thought about what I'm doing, but I suppose I've never tried to define what I'm doing. Mm. Uh, I've just kind of done it and kept going, going, going. Um, so I suppose when I think of the idea of 
holistic and holistic it's recognizing and then remembering which is obviously the practice itself uh that everything we do from a tiny thought to a big action to what you eat what you drink uh, how you converse with people around you the colors you surround yourself with anything from a minute scale to a big scale it affects how we are um and in turn how we are affects what we choose to do so in terms of living holistically i suppose it's just recognizing how connected and interconnected we are with everything around us so everything we're sort of in a relationship with the world around us so we're totally not different at all from when you look outside and see a tree or a bird or something like that we're not different from that we are that we're part of that this is just my view anyway um and in the same way the so we're responding to the things around us all the time even if we don't realize we are the temperature change around us is a very obvious thing so when it gets cold um we respond and adapt by either changing what we're wearing or changing what we do in those very same ways when we um just to, because food is easy to talk about when you eat something your body responds and adapts in that same way when you move whether it's a really hard gym workout or whether it's a really gentle restorative stretching the mind the body it all responds um so yeah i guess it's just kind of remembering that everything is works together mm, yeah absolutely and i think it's really interesting to think about how um kind of what we surround ourselves with affects mm. us because I think you know often if people are trying to make changes in their lives for example whether it's a habit that they have that they really don't want anymore or they want to change their mindset or whatever it is I think we often go inwards and think I've got to change myself mm. um rather than we might not consider the fact that oh if I you know say if uh this is just a really silly little example but if you want to get up earlier in the morning and so you and you have a habit of snoozing your alarm and you want to change that you might Mm. think oh my god what's wrong with me I've got to change my laziness say for example Um, Mm. instead of maybe moving your alarm clock to another room so you actually have to get up to turn it off and then you're up already that kind of thing or the idea that you know for me I know that if my environment around me is a mess my mind will be a mess as well yeah totally yeah well just going back to that um alarm clock thing I'd actually do that I do put it in another room so I have to get yeah. up um, yeah. um so uh, well that's for another reason as well because we don't have electrics in the bedroom for yeah, yeah, yeah. sleeping yeah. all that stuff so, yeah. um so yeah just to, to bring it back to that simple example of the alarm clock thing it's like if you do want to get up earlier for instance it's thinking not about that one specific event of get when you get up it's what affects that so the your ability to wake up early and to feel good and like you want to get up in the morning comes from what did you do the night before Mm -hmm. um what did you do the morning before so um there's a book called short uh called sleep smarter by sean stevenson and he says um uh good night's sleep starts the moment you wake up so it's doing all the things and these don't have to be massive things. They're not like a big deal. I think a lot of the time when people think about living more healthily or holistically, they treat it as a really big deal when it doesn't have to be. It's just little things you can do. So he says about doing the things throughout the day that are going to give you not necessarily the best, but just a better night's sleep. Mm. Um, 
And therefore, when it comes to that waking up in the morning and not snoozing, it's going to be loads easier to do that because you've kind of prepared for it, I suppose. Yeah, like he talks about um, like the light exposure, doesn't he? Um, mm. uh, about it's between 8am and, and 10am is the best time to get yourself exposed to sunlight uh, through your eyes and on, through your skin, um, which again is taking it back to that as well, connecting to the world around us and considering sort of more of that whole thing. It's not just me getting up in the morning and me feeling tired. It's how much I've been outside, how much sunlight yeah. I've got and all of that sort of thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So that that light exposure in the morning, I think, is probably, especially like right now when we're having this conversation, it's uh, it's uh, October and it's yeah. getting darker. And really stuff noticing like that. it. Yeah. The yeah. Yeah. So, and obviously, a lot of people find that really difficult to deal with. So it's even if it's that time of year where you don't feel like going outside, it's knowing that going outside, getting that exposure just in your eyes and actually on the forehead as well has mm. some sensors that are really uh they like receiving sunlight basically mm-hmm. so it's getting that sunlight so you know the rest of the day you kind of set yourself up to feel better to sleep better and then if you sleep better your whole mood everything's going to be better mm-hmm. um and I want to go back as well to the point that you were saying about uh us as being you know the same as the trees outsiders and all that kind of thing because I definitely um feel that way as well and I think one of the things that seems to have happened in our this kind of modern age that we live in is that we really see ourselves as separate from nature mm-hmm. um and kind of two things that I see is happening is that we're seeing ourselves as completely separate from nature um and that we've become very disconnected from our bodies and I think personally that both of those things are detrimental to us as humans um I just wondered what your thoughts were on those kind of things yeah um this it, yeah that's I mean it's totally true we've kind of made up ourselves like this I think one thing that's really key and useful to remember is when we um say that sort of thing so Basically, whatever we believe to be true, our subconscious minds, ourselves, will always try to confirm that that is true. Mm-hmm. So your subconscious mind has a, a, obviously a very, very big impact on what you think. Uh, there are lots of layers to the mind, as a lot of people know. Um, and so if we keep believing that we're disconnected from our bodies, if we keep believing not personally but um as a collective that we are disconnected from everything will keep secretly or subtly perpetuating these beliefs mm. so what it is is to go back and remember that we're not mm. different from all these things so it's to sort of change the belief pattern i guess um and yeah so this kind of thing of being disconnected from ourselves i think it we can see it all around us because we're making it happen from a lot of our actions a lot of our things we do throughout the day are to do with outputting um and doing things that are totally not natural I mean the way that the world in terms of industrial and technology has progressed in the last I don't know 50 years or something is ridiculous compared to the last hundreds of years And so at the moment, our bodies and our brains and our hormones as well are experiencing something that they totally is alien to them. So 
yeah, the idea of being disconnected to our bodies is the biggest cause of a lot of both physical and emotional and kind of mental uh, disharmony that I think that we can see today. So a lot of people don't listen when their bodies are telling them something. Yeah. So we're always receiving messages from our body all the time, whether it's saying I'm tired, I'm hungry, or whether it's saying something smaller, like I need more magnesium or salt, or I need some human interaction, or I just need a croissant or a big cake. (laughs) (laughs) Sometimes it's saying that. Um, So, yeah, I think this, to be able to get back in touch with our bodies, I think maybe one of the keys is to just listen uh, the world's ridiculously noisy at the moment, not just because of traffic and things like that, but because of what we're bombarded with all the time. Um, and when it comes to listening to our bodies, it's really, really difficult. Uh, these are, oh, I could go on and on. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so I guess the idea of listening to our bodies is almost turning your focus, your awareness back on yourself and thinking, that when you do something, why do you do it? So, for instance, again, just because food's a very easy thing to compare things to, when you um, eat something, do you think about how it's going to make you look in a photo or do you think about how it's going to make you feel right now? So that's quite a good question that I've asked people before and it's going to make quite a big difference to how they think about things. Mm-hmm. Um, when you... Uh, speak to someone this is a big thing actually because of social media when we speak on social media when we type things we don't see the person's face reacting to what we've typed we don't feel energetically their response to what we've said and therefore when we talk to people in real life we're kind of losing that ability to actually have a real good conversation with someone um and to not reply in snippets or to kind of actually have an expression on your face when you're talking to someone. It's very, very strange that we're losing the ability to interact. Mm. Yeah, and, you know, at the very core of it, we are social beings. Mm. Um, So Mm. it is really key. I mean, yeah, yeah, we could probably go on a whole other tangent about social media because it's a whole thing that is bringing a lot more social interaction to some people's lives than they might have before, but then it's taking away that uh human to human connection the, the physical connection that you have and like even when you're in a room with someone you've got all sorts of different fields and things that are electromagnetic fields in the body and stuff that are communicating with another person's body and you know what I mean like they have an effect mm. um yeah so there's all sorts I, of stuff I suppose it's it's like everything it's uh finding the the word everyone says that balance uh, is you yeah. cause social media like it's great like I use it for my job all the time for what I do for my work yeah exactly that's um, what I do yeah but if I wasn't doing what I'm doing I 100% well I can't say for definite because I don't know but <laughs> I would I would think I would try at least to not be on it so much because yeah it both provides social interaction but it totally sucks it out of you as well I mean yeah, yeah. it's it's the I think a lot of the reason we experience sadness, loneliness far much more now than ever before is because we're kind of uh, satiated or satisfied enough with talking to someone on the internet rather than actually going out 
with people and when we go out with people we're looking at phones anyway all of that yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I know I've actually stopped um I've started I've stopped I've started what am I doing um I have started refusing to speak to Sam my boyfriend if he's looking at his phone at the same time mm. I'm like I'm not I am not talking to you <laughs> what does he say to that he he's like oh fine and eventually he puts it down no it's like no, I, no. Yeah. <laughs> I won't do it it is it is really it's so funny how it has to be a like a, almost a practice of not using your phone when we um when we have dinner at home we purposefully put the phones like either not on the table or out of the room yeah. Um, yeah. and I went for lunch with a friend the other day and I actually had to say to myself right do not get your phone out like even that thing of having it on the table yeah even if it's on the table face down it sort of sends a really tiny message I feel anyway to the other person that you haven't really got time for them yeah you're I was- just about to kind of check in with someone else or go off and do something so even having a phone on the table I think it it takes half your focus away yeah I I read that or heard that somewhere I can't remember where I'll try and dig it out to put in the show notes the link to it but somewhere that that exactly what you just said that it does send a subconscious signal to the other person if we've got the phone just down on the table it sends a signal that um they're not important enough like to us and even if that person doesn't know that they're receiving that signal they are somewhere inside yeah yeah um and that can have a huge effect so and that kind of comes back to uh, what you were saying about just turning the attention inwards a bit and just really getting quiet and listening to yourself, sort of saying, um, you know, how do I feel when my partner's looking at their phone when we're actually sat just having a conversation? You know, mm. what am I lacking there? Or um, how does only talking to people on social media make me feel? And you might notice an urge for physical contact or just seeing someone's face, you know. Um, yeah, totally. I mean, this... Uh, yeah the idea of like listening to yourself just by listening a tiny bit it's uh it's very similar to all uh kind of a lot of natural health systems i suppose or holistic living uh does it it prevents things from occurring in the first place so rather than kind of letting all this stuff uh gather up and until you feel terrible because you haven't spoken to a real person for two days or you haven't uh, eaten anything but sugar for a week or you haven't um, drank enough water, if you can listen to how you feel, you won't get to that point because you'll be hopefully responding when the small messages come through. The more we listen, the more we can uh, recognise very small patterns of how we feel and therefore be able to much easily prevent anything majorly bad from happening. Yeah, that's that's so true. And it's funny, I've, I've just been writing today uh, a, a post for my blog about um, the holistic way to have a cold because I got a mm-hmm. cold um, and I decided that I'm not going to push myself, I'm not going to work. You know, because so many people say, oh, it's just a cold, I'm going to push on through and, you know, take all the medicines or whatever. And right mm-hmm. now I've got a small cold. It's like, I'm not going to cancel on you, I'm going to do this, but I'm not going to push myself to do more work because I know that if I take the time, like my body just needs a bit of rest, I can feel that. Um, I've been quite busy recently and all of that stuff so I I can sort of figure out why I've got the cold Um, I'm going to give my body the rest that it wants and I know that probably by tomorrow I'm going to feel way better but if I kept fighting through it it would probably drag on and on or maybe develop into the flu or you know Mm, mm, totally I think it's kind of thinking when that that those little symptoms come up um, rather than responding to what you feel like you should do 
it's thinking actually like I would think a lot like when if I have a little cold symptoms of what would I do if I was in the wild I wouldn't continue and push myself on because I needed to get work done so I would stop I would sit down I would lie down yeah. just those really simple things um so yeah but again that's that's being natural I feel being as natural as you can be being your like wild uh, primal self is more difficult it's a practice it's more difficult than trying to be like a modern human because we've forgotten what it's like to just be a human being yeah exactly and we get fed all these shoulds from society you know you should be working you should be having a hundred things on your to-do list you should be Mm -hmm. you should be tired you should be watching all the latest netflix stuff and therefore not sleeping like yeah yeah. busy being busy it's like when you say to someone oh how are you and they're like oh busy yeah it's good really busy i'm really good i'm so busy (laughs) too busy to sit down to do anything (laughs) yeah and you're crying inside yeah Um, yeah i used to be that person um Mm. yeah and it's really hard um you're right and for me I found that the more so I start off I started off by doing small things to just kind of connect back to my natural rhythms to nature that kind of thing and the more I've done that the more I can sort of get an intuitive sense for my wild human self kind of thing mm-hmm. um uh, and I think it is that rather than you know sometimes we can be put off starting making changes to holistic living or you know whatever however you want to put it to feeling better basically Mm. um because we think we need to know all this stuff we think we need to know about paleo diets or whatever it is Mm. um and I, I guess yeah just going back to what we said at the start it's like it just takes small small little simple changes and I find that Mm. then you just it just keeps snowballing yeah exactly yeah and it's it's uh, refocusing or looking differently at where you put your importance and your worth. I think a lot, I can recognize in myself anyway, if I, I place a lot of, and this isn't, it's not a good thing. It's something I'm working on. I've, I know that for a long time I've placed a lot of importance and I've placed my whole self worth on how much I output. So my work ethic is really driven by just trying to, quiet that voice inside that says more 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 keep going keep going keep going so and I think that happens with a lot of people we we kind of measure how we are who we are how much we're worth as a person by what other people can see we've done yeah if that makes sense yeah, or by financial uh, yeah for, yeah, and again, well. yeah yeah so it's that, that's very like yeah that's the ultimate isn't it, I guess yeah. um and when it comes to it's uh yeah, and it's just kind of recognising that you don't have to... Uh, I know, well, it's difficult, isn't it? You don't have to do what people tell you you should have to do. Mm-hmm. If you're kind of happy and you have, like, a good community around you, you have good um, stability in your life, you feel healthy, if you've got the basic bases covered, you don't need to keep pushing yourself to be something different there's this whole chasing um kind of idea or feeling I think a lot of us have to satisfy something that we're not sure what we're trying to satisfy yeah I I think that's absolutely right and I think it's sad like I was talking to somebody on um Instagram the other day and, and she was just saying how sad it is to her how many people are living in that way kind of not fulfilling 
their needs and what will make them happy and content and just sort of chasing societal norms or standards or whatever and I think we feed ourselves this this sort of story that oh I will be happy when I you know get that job and then it's like oh I'll be happy when I'm promoted and it just keeps going and it I think we just it's hard to you know I'm gonna say we just need to do this and I'm not trying to I'm not saying it's easy but (laughs) we need to kind of step back and and yeah get quiet with ourselves which I know is terrifying um for most people to do um and then listen to what comes up and listen to kind of what our needs are and what our values are and mm. it is terrifying this is what I was going to say a moment ago actually I forgot um it is terrifying I mean to to change even tiny little habits you have is terrifying because it shakes your ego so Mm. I'm not saying ego in a bad way I'm saying ego in a Freudian sense and the fact that your ego is you like me Emma yoga teacher person who lives in a house who has blonde hair who's wearing this t-shirt that's my ego it's my personality it's the very surface level of me um so when we try and change habits that we've kind of cultivated and built up throughout life we we change the ego and that's terrifying for ourselves because we lose our grounding a lot but it's like having a little a mini earthquake I suppose each time we change something because it's like well this isn't how it was a minute ago and we uh get quite settled and comfortable a lot in habits even if they're bad habits because mm-hmm. it's familiar um and once we start to change things it is scary because we have to look at our stuff we have to look at things that we probably have been trying to avoid mm-hmm. um which and I was listening to a, a talk by a woman called Dr Claudia Welch recently and she's uh, super, she specializes in Chinese medicine Ayurveda and uh, women's hormones a lot of the time um and she was saying that when we try and be healthier or live a more holistic life or look at ourselves we often try to cure everything with one thing yeah. so a lot of, a lot of the time people it's food because that's the easy thing to control um and so much of the time we get caught up in this one thing that we think is going to cure everything and we miss everything else it's like actually you might have been eating this really healthy meal in front of you but who's the person opposite you when you're eating it is it someone who you feel comfortable around or not yeah. um what did you do before this? What's in your mind? It's kind of, again, it comes back to that whole holistic mm. living. Everything's connected. Nothing's uh, totally independent. Yeah. And in a perfect segue opportunity, you just mentioned Ayurveda. <laughs> it's, like, it's like I told you to say that. It's brilliant. Because um, I, I really want to talk to you about Ayurveda um, because it's something that I'm really interested in and, and it's something that you introduced me to. Um, and I just think it's really brilliant when it comes to that idea of holistic living um and a really useful um tool to approach modern living with I guess um Mm. so could you explain a bit about what Ayurveda is um I mean I've written about it on my blog and stuff but but, so people might not have read those and so yeah fill people in okay so um Ayurveda is translated as well. Let's start from the beginning. Ayurveda is basically. <laughs> How long have you got? Um, yeah, a couple of thousand years. Yeah. So Ayurveda is basically India's oldest health and well-being system. It's, it's a medical system as well, um, and it's been around for. Let's just be simple and vague. It's been around for a few thousand years. 
And it's rather than, so a lot of people, if they come to Ayurveda through a yoga practice, they think Ayurveda is a bit of yoga, I suppose. But yoga practices, the postures, breathing practices are a part of Ayurveda. So as a health and well-being system, Ayurveda would consider uh, each person as an individual, each person is totally unique, but part of nature. Um, and it's, uh, it's really popular today, actually. It's come back into fashion, I suppose, because of how popular yoga is. Mm. Um, and uh, I don't know, you can get uh, Ayurveda tests on Google and magazines and stuff yeah, like that now. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, and the word Ayurveda translates as essentially the science of life or the knowledge of life. So the Sanskrit word Ayur, A-Y-U-R, means life or longevity or the ability to live for a long time feeling pretty good. Um, and Veda means knowledge. So there are these ancient texts, which again were thousands of years ago, um, and they basically mean the knowledge. So not like the taxi driver's knowledge. but um, <laughs> <laughs> Taxi drivers have been hiding since ancient weeks. Yeah, the knowledge. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's the knowledge of how to live a long and healthy life. And it's not something you can just read and like, oh yeah, I've got it. No. It's, it's something to be practised uh, over and over and over again throughout your whole life. It's an mm. art. It's the, What I love about Ayurveda, I think, is it's so creative and it's so... Uh, it just includes that fact that everything is working together all the time. Yeah. Um, so what I, I think, I guess what I'll say about Ayurveda to, to just say here is uh, what a lot of people will probably recognize or have heard before is when you work with an Ayurvedic practitioner or when you look at Ayurveda yourself, um, quite a good place to start with is knowing about the three uh, doshas or doshas or whatever you want to call them, um, vata, pitta and kapha. Um, so these are three different types of energy, I suppose. So vata is governed by air and ether. So it's very, very light. It's rough. It's dry. It's all about movement and changing things. Um and the sort of person who might be a Vata type person would uh, present those qualities. So they'd be, their mind might be very kind of all over the place and scattered. They might be, um, they might feel the cold quite a lot. Their skin might be dry. They might be a bit bony um, or their joints protrude a little bit. So they would pre uh, present the qualities of the air and ether. And this time of year, actually, October, autumn is a very Vata time. So it is, you can see right now, if you're listening to this or whatever, you can look out the window or just feel around you. The air is drier than usual. It doesn't mean it's not raining. The air is drier. Uh, the trees, they're drying out. The leaves are falling off. There's change in the air. Yeah. And there's a lot of movement. Uh, and then Pitta is um, governed by fire largely and a bit of water as well so i like to think of pitta as hot oil sort of thing so pitta type people are usually quite um they can be quite dominating um powerful people pitta is very much linked to the power of digestion like the fire in the belly sort of thing mm -hmm. um and people they 
uh, are usually quite hot or they have issues sometimes with inflammation. Um, yeah, and kappa is governed by earth and water. So it's very cool, very grounded, sort of like a, like if you get like mud in a nice way. I don't know how to say it. But <laughs> mud like, in a nice cool, way. Cool, yeah, yeah. Mud. So the season governed by kappa is spring. <laughs> Um, and it's it's quite a heavy time of year. If you think of like Earth Mother sort of person, that's yeah, a Kappa person. Yeah. The the kind of part of the body that's linked a lot to Kappa is um, anything that is a bit mucusy. So if you sounding great, oh yeah, mud and mucus. Yeah, <laughs> Kappa is actually very good. It's to do with the yeah. lubricating of the joints and things like that as well. Yeah. So uh, if you think in spring, a lot of people get spring allergies, so they will have a lot of. Mm. Um, like they have a cold or sinus issues or just feel a bit blocked, that's a lot of kappa. So one of the good things you can instantly start to use Ayurveda for is those three qualities of feeling light and scattered, rough and dry, or feeling hot and irritable and frustrated, or feeling heavy and a bit blocked up and uh, low – if you recognize those qualities in yourself, you can then work ha- work out how to balance them out again. Mm. Yeah, and that's that's one of the really brilliant things is that it, it, it just seems very commonsensical to me when you start learning about those sorts of things and you look outside at the weather and stuff and you see, oh yeah, I can totally see why, uh, you know, summer is pitter because mm. it's hot and it's, you know, um, yeah, fiery and, and, and all that. And, you know, like you said, autumn and, and vata make so much sense as well. Um, and and then it, I think once you start digging into it, it is kind of like just a bit of a puzzle of figuring out the things to do to help balance those qualities in yourself, you know. So, like, if mm. you're feeling more of uh, the scattered um, vata quality, then you might think, right, well, I'm probably going to need to ground myself and bring myself a bit more, try and raise my kapha kind of. Mm, mm, totally. Yeah. So I mean, that's yeah, like exactly like you said. When people start learning about this, or the more like to teach people about it or speak to people about it, it's very, very. Uh, this is why I think a lot of people find it easy to understand and work with because it is just basically common sense, um, and it is just a more of a case of remembering rather than trying to learn lots of complicated things. So. Anyone can feel if you just pause and just kind of... So maybe people listen to this now, like you can just pause for a moment and notice what qualities or how do you feel in yourself? Do you feel scattered? Do you feel very focused? Do you feel a bit low? Um, Do you feel a bit um, kind of uh, light and dry or do you feel a bit hot? Is there some inflammation? Um, or do you, do you have any blockages, like do you have a lot of phlegm or mucus at the moment, maybe you have a bit of a cold? So if you can tune into noticing these qualities, you can then recognise qualities of the things around you. So for instance, if I felt very vata um, and a bit fragile, a bit dry, um, and like I needed some nourishment, I would try to increase the amount of warmth and unctuousness and uh, moisture um, around. So, for instance, I would might have um, 
a nice warm bath. I might put some warming oil, like sesame oil or something on my skin. I might drink a warm drink. Um, and also to balance, if you feel very vata or very scattered um, and a bit fragile, is to just surround yourself with people who make you feel safe and warm. It's, again, thinking of all the different parts of your life and yourself um, having an effect on how you feel. Mm, yeah, absolutely, because I know that I can often feel very vata if I've taken on too much or something. Mm. Or, you know, I've got a to-do list that's really scattered. You can see it around you. You know, you're feeling scattered, and then I look at my to-do list, and it's like a total mess. And if I spend some time then sitting down, breaking stuff down into more small, manageable tasks, like concrete things that feel a bit more steady, a little bit more like um, kapha in that the kapha, one of the positive qualities is that kind of ability to just sort of keep going on sort of be quite steady stuff yeah then I feel yes, better Kappa was very good endurance um, yeah. but you've got a good quite you've got a good balance of pitta in you yeah um it's that ability to kind of get stuff done yeah. and good work I think but then for you it's that thing of working to keep that in harmony because I think a lot of people who are maybe similar to you they will their pitterness will drive them to do the work to get stuff done to kind of be your own boss uh, but then that can also that can spill over and turn into barter basically. So yeah. it's like you've got a fire that's really raging, roaring, going. It's all good, and then it gets too much, burns itself out, and it's oh, very barter now. Yeah, yeah. Because I always, whenever I do the the dosha test, I always come out very, very closely butter pitta. Um, mm-hmm. And I think depending on where I'm at in my life, it's it varies which one comes out slightly more dominant. Um, mm. uh, so that's actually something interesting for people to know that you're not just one quality um that you could be a combination of two like you're you're all three aren't you you're yeah I would be all three wouldn't I yeah um so it's yeah so there are lots of different combinations of uh dosha so you could be vata kappa which means you have qualities of both vata and kappa and you might have more of one less the other or very equal mm. most people are a combination of two mm. um I meet a lot of people who practice yoga who are Vata Pitta. I think yoga attracts those sort of people. Mm. Um, and it's really interesting if you are just like out and about or doing something to kind of try and guess people's dosha or when you're in a certain place, yeah. what kind of people will go to that place. So, for instance, um, in a gym, a lot of Pitta people in a gym because yeah. they love to feel the burn. As you, <laughs> so there you go. It's a, the fieriness. Yeah. They like to push themselves hard. Let's go, go, go. Um, if you go to, where else? Who we go? Um, if you go to uh, like a place that's very creative, like a place that's very arty or something. If, I guess if you went to an art college, you'd probably see a lot of people who are very Vata there because Vata is very creative. Yeah, and then uh, I mean, imagining, imagining the clothes yeah. that people might wear in an art college, and it's like, yeah, imagine all this floaty, like you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't um, want to stereotype, but no, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So um, yeah, and so it's very interesting, and it, you don't have to go around saying people, oh, you're Vata, you're Pitta, because <laughs> people would not appreciate that. Um, but it's just interesting for you to kind of help. To, it's a practice as well yeah. so I find this very very useful when I'm teaching people um, especially one-to-one on a one-to-one basis to it's very obvious when you look at someone mm. if you know by what they 
basically are Mm -hmm. and then you just talk to them a little bit get to know a bit more and you can probably work out what their other half of them or whether they're a whole of something Mm -hmm. so then by knowing what people's um, qualities are you can then work out how to work with them best I think and this comes down to relationships as well whether it's someone you work with or whether it's your partner or a friend Mm -hmm. if you kind of know more about their qualities um you can approach situations or conversations in a different sort of way. Mm. Um, yeah, and that can also give you an insight into why people do the stuff they do. Yeah. And it gives them a bit more compassion. It gives you an insight into why you do the things you do. Mm-hmm. So if you notice uh, you like, well, like yourself, like if you notice you like really like go, 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 get stuff done, get work done. If you notice you have that tendency, it's, learning to do that without going overboard yeah and I think that's where it's so great um because you know the dosha stuff is going to appeal to anybody who like me loves a good personality quiz personality (laughs) type stuff but I think where um Ayurveda goes a bit deeper than that in helping us to support ourselves is that it helps us to know ourselves to know why we do things but it also doesn't then um mean that we can just go oh well I'm just a vata person so I'm just going to be like that that's the way it is like it 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 has the space and the possibility for change because it's got the tools to help you balance that and it sort of says you can bring yourself more into balance you know Mm. rather than if you just did a personality type quiz you might be inclined to be like well that's just who I am and that's me stuck in that kind of way of doing things and I'm not going to try and change it Mm, totally yeah I think it's yeah it's really good actually to think about that it's not to use your type your qualities as an excuse Mm. to carry on doing stuff that probably isn't great for you Mm. um so yeah so it's what's good to remember is that we are all born as a type so you're born Barta Pitta you're born Kappa you're born what born whatever you are but it's difficult to sometimes actually discover what you are because of the amount you are out of balance mm. so the the what we're born with the qualities we're born with are known as our prakriti that's mm-hmm. your nature um what you feel like day to day month to month season to season that's known as your vikruti so that's your everyday whether you're in balance or out mm. of balance so i could be a very um pitta person i could be very hot very uh, kind of focused but I could be out of balance in the way that I have too much vata, which would make me feel light and dry and a bit frenetic. Do you know what I mean? Do you um, get that? Yeah, absolutely. Because it it depends, just like we were saying right at the start, our life circumstances and the environment that we're in has such an effect on us. So it really depends on the stage of life that you're at, what Mm. your current level might be. And that might not be what your sort of base level is that you started with, kind of that you had from birth. That might not be your yeah your kind of your nature yeah yeah nature. so yeah it's yeah what it is about is kind of recognizing like right now where do you feel we all know when we feel not quite right yeah we just don't take the time to listen sometimes so we all know if we haven't been sleeping enough we all know if we haven't been moving enough we all know if we haven't been breathing properly on some <laughs> yeah, level. yeah yeah um and it's kind of being really, really honest with yourself. And like we said, doing that little bit of a scary thing, looking at yourself and thinking, what do I need to change in order to find my sense of being healthy? Everyone's sense of being healthy and well is going to look and feel a bit different. Um, 
but it's recognizing where am I out of balance? What qualities are too much right now in me or what qualities am I not comfortable with here? Mm. And what changes can I do to balance that out? So for instance, the, the qualities of everything around you, I've got a, I've got, I've got a cup of um, warm water next to me here. So the qualities of that um, are going to help to help my digestion because digestion works well with things that are warm. It's going to help me to feel um, comfortable and warm because it's warm. Um, but then next to that warm water, I've got a cup of coffee, which is um, going to kind of bring my energy up a little bit. It's going to – well, I don't really need the coffee. I've had quite a few today anyway. So it's going to probably kind of – make me feel a little bit frenetic so I can recognize that I probably could do drinking a bit less coffee and I'd feel more balanced so there's one thing yeah and, and I think it's worth uh just a little note on that is that um it's not always easy I guess to notice the thing that you you maybe could do with less of like you probably want the coffee do you know what I mean like and um you tend to be drawn to the thing that might not be great for your dosha I think is that, mm. that's right yeah it? that's totally true yeah I mean what we are uh we will keep on perpetuating yes. and confirming till we make a change so yeah if you if you're a vata person you often quite like change and you quite like being busy and uh you quite like the things that will keep you vata and probably make you too much vata mm. so yeah it yeah. becomes then again a practice it's like, uh, yeah, I have a real hard time kind of slowing down and doing nothing, which is mm. to me a very kappa thing. And Sam, my boyfriend, is very much kappa. Well, he's kappa pitta, but um, he has he's a, no problem having like a lazy day. Um, whereas I'd prefer to be busy. And it's like, yeah, acknowledging that and kind of going right. Maybe I do need to just sit and like mm. just slow down for a bit. Mm. Um, Great. Uh, if people want to find out more about Ayurveda, if they're interested, um, do you have any recommendations for places to go? Although Emma's blog, I have to say, is a very good place to go as well. Oh. Um, <laughs> um, and we'll share the details of that. But are there any other places that you recommend? Uh, yeah. So um, you can, I'll take some authors first, actually, because then you can Google them. They have websites mm. and things like that. So um, Robert Svoboda um is fantastic he's he's written so many books on ayurveda and he writes in a really accessible way so um i just have some of the books in front of me so i'd remember who wrote them so he's written one called prakriti um he's written ayurveda for women which is actually fantastic it's a really empowering book i mm -hmm. think for women um and then there's claudia welch i mentioned earlier so mm -hmm. she's um ayurveda practitioner as well um um there's um what's his name dr vasant lad so mm -hmm. uh he's like the i don't know he's the guy he's the man yeah yeah he's written um some great books on ayurveda um so there's some authors i guess to get started with um also the pucker people might not know this actually. yeah i've got you know, that pucker tees yeah he's a sebastian pole he studied um ayurveda and he, that's based on the Ayurvedic qualities. My my teacher, um, she does. She's hard, not even really on the internet. But Pauline O'Connor, just shout out to Pauline. <laughs> um, she um, she studied with him on the very same Ayurvedic course. Oh, right. Which is quite, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. I've got his book, um, A Pucker Life, and that I found a really good sort of general overview. Yes, of stuff. it's a really good book actually. That yeah. one, yeah, yeah. Um, and in terms of websites, I think. 
to be honest, if you just write in Google Ayurveda, you'll you'll learn lots because there's yeah. so much out now. Um, Jasmine Hemsley, the Hemsley and Hemsley sisters, she oh, yeah. um, published her book East by West, the cookbook. That's really a, an accessible way to start getting into Ayurveda cooking mm-hmm. if you want to. Because um, herbs, spices, tastes are another massive part of it. And we could yeah. have a whole other podcast that yeah, probably. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yes, yeah, looking up her, um, that'll give a really accessible insight as well. I think. Yeah. Great. Thank you. Okay. So I just have my last question, uh, my two part question that I'm asking all guests. So the first part of the question is in a, in a kind of ideal dream vision of society in the future, what changes would you like to see people having made towards a more purposeful and holistic life? And then the second part of the question is what small changes could people make now if they wanted to start moving in that direction? Hmm. Okay. So moving towards as, as a, uh, like taking a little step back, look at the big picture, moving towards living a, um, holistic life is what I would, what would be lovely to see uh, with people is to just, uh, like we were saying, I suppose taking that focus away from, uh, putting things out, producing things more, 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 it's looking back and trying to actually experience the now. So um, it's taking a lot of responsibility with how you feel um, in yourself and in ourselves in general. So it's rather than if you want to change how you think, feel, eat, whatever, it's thinking how can I do that rather than looking outwards I mean you wrote a blog the other day um about googling yeah, less and trusting yeah, yeah. yourself more I think maybe that's it maybe that's a nice way to start with thinking about everyone moving forward it's googling less and trusting more um and I think little things people can do maybe or maybe three things is to listen more to how you feel so take tiny pauses throughout the day to just check in with how you feel the qualities of how you feel what are they like um get better sleep that's a massive yeah. thing yeah um and also uh try to not have your phone at the dinner table mm. there's a the thing there you yeah. go excellent well thank you so much um You're welcome i think this is really jam-packed episode with uh we've covered a lot you know um so it's really good if people want to find out more about you where can they find you online uh they can go to my website slash blog which is emma um and then on the social media things if you just type in emma newlin yoga so it's newlin n-e-w-l-y-n um yoga on all the social media things instagram facebook blah 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 you'll see that and i've got some workshops uh and retreats and bits and bobs like that coming up so have a little look yeah yeah and yeah if you are in the sussex area definitely check out emma's live events because she's a fab teacher thanks (laughs) thank you very much for talking to me Emma. thank you it's a pleasure it's lovely thank you thank you for listening to create shift You'll find all the links and resources spoken about in today's episode over in the show notes at being-change.com. You can also head there to find out more about me, about working together, and to find more information and resources on living your most purposeful and holistic life. 
If you want to continue the conversation, you can find me on Instagram at being underscore change. If you enjoyed the show, I'd be so grateful if you could leave a rating and a review. This helps other people who might enjoy the show too to find it. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.